0: Tonight's chair was dedicated by uh, the Newman family. This is in honor of the birthday of Fega Newman. May her, may she have a wonderful good year. It's on the 2nd of Tevis. May her only brachas and only, 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 only good things a wonderful, wonderful good year. Much prosperity and growth in every aspect. Only, only good things. Thank you so much. Another dedication this week was by Yossi and Chaya Grodin. This is... Le'ili nishmas son Yehuda ben Yosef Moshe, whose yard site is on the 2nd of Tavis. May his neshama have a very great aliyah to the greatest of heights. May he channel lots of brachas to you and to your family. And um, may we merit very, very soon that he will return back here. Um, and Akit Tzuveran and Ushaykh Neyafor, all those that have departed, especially people that have left this world younger age, will return very quickly to complete and to continue life on earth where, where, where all neshamas really belong. Um, another dedication this week was on the CD by Chaim and Batya Cohen. And this is in honor of Chaim's sisters, Yerzeit. Um Ch- uh, Charna Matla Bas Choni. May Neshama have a great aliyah to the greatest of heights. May she channel lots of bracha to you, Chaim, to all of your family for much mazel, good health. Parnasar Bar and a lot of spiritual light, and only, only, only good things. Thank you so much for that dedication, and um, one more dedication tonight. This class was dedicated by Rachel Krintzman, this is in honor of her mother's CD this week, another dedication on the CD, by in honor of her mother's yard site on Bass Tavis, Adina Adel Bas Esther Etel. May her neshama have a very great aliyah to the greatest of heights. May she chant lots of bracha to you for all that you need and all that you want. Much, much bracha and a very, very happy Hanukkah. And may the blessings of Hanukkah uh, be with all of us, all the Jewish people, for um, the entire year. Um, thanks uh, again. Now, uh, tonight, I, I'm, the truth is, I recorded a class on Monday night. I was not uh, satisfied with that class. I didn't have the... Uh, the um, opportunity to prepare the way I should so I am giving this class again now it's Wednesday night so it's two days later and um, this comes off the incredible news of the miracles that the Jewish people are celebrating today with the release of Shalom Mordechai Ben Rivka Rabashkin, that has so unjustly been imprisoned and um, I'm just gonna say one little thought um, it has always been within my, my, my mind, my feelings, and uh, that his um, incarceration um, was not a private matter. Um, it, it, you know just a sense that I've had, a gut, a, a, a gut sense that, that his incarceration was representing a fight from the klipa, from the unholy, to keep the Jewish people in exile. This was a war of Mashiach. Against to free the Jewish people, and, um, the, and and one of the proofs to that is the 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 depth of how deeply the Jewish people rallied and unified behind um, Shalom Mordechai, How deeply all different communities. Shalom Mordechai himself is a Chabadnik, and yet. Uh, the unbelievable support from the Lithuanian world from the Litvish world which didn't always see eye to eye with Chabad and it, it's just unbelievable from Satmer from all the from the across the Jewish spectrum such love such an outpouring of sympathy of feeling and people those pictures of people going to visit and people feeling such brotherly love and here's where you saw the true Achthus Yisrael the reason why the Achtos was so felt so strong is because the Gezerah against him wasn't just him it was against every Jew and uh, the miracle we see today on Zayis Hanukkah by uh, our dear president um, that has proven to be, I mean, I, I've been um, citing this again and again, that, I, uh, that from, from the very, very onset, that um, his presidency, as, as, it was, as it was initially germinating from the very, very beginning, felt very messianic. It felt that there was some great godly, divine providence leading him to the office, that goes beyond all. It's just miracles beyond miracles. And I've been saying that. And then last week on Yuta's Kislev, the 19th of Kislev, the announcement of Yerushalayim being the capital of the Jewish people, such a blow to all the clippers, to all the unholy and the, the declaration and the, the ability of, of the Shekhinah we spoke about it in the last class to descend into Yerushalayim and once the Shekhinah returns to the Holy Temple into Yerushalayim then the Jewish people come out of exile so the release today on Zei's Hanukkah the great miracle of Hanukkah and which you know everybody's sending these WhatsApps and it's getting all the excitement and the Jewish people are celebrating and they're singing and dancing in across the world tonight and we will have a great celebration here at Mayan as well um, the, the, the celebration and, and it happened on the eighth day of Hanukkah in the year 5778 after he sat in jail for eight years and eight days uh, it's not normal I, and we spoke last week about the significance of Hanukkah being eight and the, the miracle of eight and seven, how the two merge together, and how the miracles of, 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 of President Trump becoming president of the year 5777 7, 7, when he was 70 years old, seven months old, seven days old. I mean, these things are, are, are so obvious that we're experiencing beyond, beyond the miracles of the redemption. So the excitement, the excitement. Now is a time that all of us really, really, really have to recognize and understand that the game is over, Time for Mashiach has arrived and it's coming to us in a way of such love, of such light, of such beauty. Yet on the other hand, this week we had a tragedy that needs to be mentioned. A horrible, heart-wrenching tragedy. Which shows us that even though we're at the beginning of the Geula, there's still so much pain and there's still so much horror. And we need to do the tragedy of the family, the poor... I, uh, I think the last name was Azan family, where a mother and three children were were burnt alive, and, and, and I mean I mean horrible, and and, and the criti- and Hashem uh, should send the to the father and the other two children that are sick so on the one hand it's there is joy in our hearts from one side on the other hand there's still the remnants the, the golos is still packing in the last punches of darkness and we don't want that anymore so we're now hopefully over with it let that be the last tragedy let us move to the giyula. but it's, we have to realize that it's dependent on each and every one of us to increase our Torah and our mitzvahs and our looking forward and our belief in the Mashiach and our, our focus of, and, and loving each other and caring about each other and being one people and dropping all the all external analogies that might separate between Jew and Jew. All right, that being said, um, we're ready to begin tonight's class, and I'm continuing on the theme that we had discussed in the previous classes in which I'd like to re- um, um, discuss the current events as, as they are outside of just what I've discussed, because again, when I prepared this year, we didn't have the news yet of Sholem Mordechai's release from jail. So that, of course, you know, is tops the, you know, is, 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 tops the cake, but, I don't even know if that's an expression, tops the cake, but whatever, um, that, that, that's beyond, that's beyond, that's higher than it all, but in addition to that, just, even just to everyday news, you know, when they asked the Tanya, Um, When is Mashiach coming? The Alter Rebbe said that when Mashiach will come, you will read about it in the newspapers. Now, we have to understand what this means. What does it mean we will read about it in the newspapers? I mean, of course, such a uh, tremendous event, such a great light, such a awesome, awesome uh, thing. Of course, it's going to be in the newspapers. Uh, You need, you you know, it deserves front coverage on the front page of the newspapers. Uh, What does he mean you'll read about it in the newspapers? Um, the, the the depth of what the Alter Rebbe was saying is as follows. Moshiach is not a flash of godly light coming from above. Moshiach is not some savior descending from cloud seven or cloud nine and and, 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 and appearing and, and snapping his finger transforming the world. Moshiach is a process and it's accumulation of all the good that the Jewish people have done and all the good that humanity has done. And all that accumulation accumulates into powerful purification and rectification of this world. So as we're getting closer to Moshiach you start seeing a Moshiach like world. You start seeing a rectified world. You start seeing a world that is consistent with what Torah says, with Yiddishkeit says Moshiach world is all about. So what your means is like this. When you read Chassidus, which is the Torah of Mashiach, you read a discourse, you read a mimer, you read the inner insights of the Torah, the inner light of the Torah, and then you read the newspaper, and you see that the two are aligning, the two are matching up, then you know Mashiach is coming. And that repre- and that relates to every article of news. So the, there's been news in, the, in, the, in the, the one of the major stories that have been going on over the last couple of months is the I'll call it the revolt of the women. That many women that have been abused, many men that have been misbehaving, taking advantage of women that were kind of working for them or under their uh, under their um, you know uh, uh, authority in some in some in some form. Uh, which have been mistreating women, so the women have been revolting, and women have been taking down powerful, powerful men across the world. Whether in the world of politics, whether the world over here in Los Angeles, in the world of entertainment, and across the world, and and um, this is this is something major and a major change that women have a voice, and that they're putting down their feet to stop this abuse. And this abuse has been going on for thousands of years, and yet now it's coming to an end. Now. Let's be clear and understand. Of course, there are some opportunists and there are some people that are going to uh, use this to uh, for whatever in, in a dishonest way. Nothing is perfect until we hear the, sh- the sound of the shofar. What I what, what what I'm referring to is just the general the general thrust, the general idea of what's happening is that there is a certain a recognition and understanding that we can't. And men all over, powerful men across the world that have that have been in positions of power and as a result of that felt that they can manipulate and they can and they can do whatever they want. To, to people and abuse people are terrified now and, 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 and are gaining the proper respect that they need to have for other people. So now we need to understand what does all of that have to do with Mashiach? Is that a sign of Mashiach? And here too, something really, really amazing and it connects to this week's Parsha in a fantastic, spectacular way. In this week's Parsha, is Vayigash, we learn about the meeting of Yosef and Yehuda. Where Yosef, you know, after a dramatic story where Yosef is sold as a slave, the brothers come down to Egypt. Yosef is um, is um, there at the mercy of their brother. Yosef they don't know, know it's him. Yosef wants to keep Binyamin as a as a as a hostage, not as a hostage. He wants to take him as a slave, and Yehuda steps up and with a in a powerful confrontation demands that Yosef release Binyamin. Um, and, and then in the end, uh, Binyamin, uh, Yosef, can't control himself and he reveals himself to the brothers. This is the theme. This is the main idea of Parshish Vayikistan. We need to understand, and we've discussed about it, this in many classes in the past. And that this fight between Yosef and the brothers is not just a... And, and this and this confrontation was not just a personal confrontation between two people, but this argument or this fight is a... Is a Cosmic—it's—it's—it's—it's um, a—it's two forces in the cosmos, two spiritual forces that are in conflict with each other. But both of them are holy, both of them are godly, and yet there is this tension between these two forces, and this is an this 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 competition kind of is is a, is a, a a competition that is present throughout all of history. Uh, two forces, two two approaches. To life, to power, to powers within within the world, and the question is, um, which one is the dominant power? And it's going to be resolved by the coming of Mashiach. When we take a look at the Torah, uh, let, 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 let me explain that just for a moment. Th- this this argument between Yosef Yehuda is really an argument that later plays itself out in the rest of history, because the Jewish kingdom always. Uh, um, it, it, um, Fluctuates, or rather, I don't know the right word for that would be it, it. It it transitions between the descendants of Yosef and the descendants of Yehuda. Um, Yeshua Binun brings the Jewish people into the land of Israel. He's from Shevet Ephraim, and then Gidon is one of the leaders of the Jewish people. Is from Shevet Manasseh and even Shaul Melach, King Saul, the first Jewish king, he's from Shevet Binyamin. Which Binyamin, in a sense, is, relates to the kingdom of Yosef because Binyamin is his little brother from the same mother. So this is all part of the the Joseph kingdom. Then, um, when King David becomes Melech, when David the Melech becomes king, and then Shlomo Melech is king. So then it's Yehuda who's the king of the, over the Jewish people. But then the Malchus splits again in the third generation when Rechavam Re- 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 is challenged by Yeravam ben Avot, and, Benavot, and there again it becomes the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, and the two and the two and the Daser and the ten tribes are separated from the rest of the Jewish people. And so it is as long for the entire duration of kings of Israel. Until the t- Aseris Ashvatim were driven out of the land of Israel, you have that competition, and then even in the days of Mashiach and throughout the whole Galus, even though we don't, it's hard to identify what is the Yosef and what is the Binyamin, what is the Yosef and what is the Yehuda elements. But there is two approaches in Judaism, as we're soon going to see, that plays itself out throughout history. And finally, when we get to the end of days, there is also the concept of Mashiach ben Yosef and Mashiach ben David. But yet, when we read in the Haftorah. We, we 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 the Haftorah tells us that at the end this will be resolved. How it will be resolved? The Haftorah speaks about a great achdos the Jewish people coming together again and being unified. How are they unified? They're unified through. Um, it says in the Haftorah, Hashem tells Yecheskel Hanavi, uh, uh, um, that he should take two sticks. And on one of them he should write on it for Yosef, and the other one he should write of it for Yehuda. And then he should take these two sticks and he should bring them together, and they will become one staff. What it, staff represents kingship? Malchus, a king rules by his stick. That's a sign of kingdom, and and the fact that you're bringing it together is a prophetic vision for the unification, reunification of the kingdom of the Jewish people. There will only be one king, as the Navi says in the Parsha. They will have finally have one king. Open up the words, hey, I'm sorry. Um the Pasuk the words are in Aftaira Um over here. The uh Vasisa will make them into one nation. Bahare Yisrael in the mountains in the in the hills of Israel, a melech echo yeah of one king. There won't be any more two kings. They're not going to be divided into two kingdoms. But then it concludes in David. My servant David will be the king over them. And one shepherd will be for all of them. Okay, one ser- one David and one servant and one shepherd. The question over here then is as follows. If we're saying that this is a unification between Mauchus, Yo- Yosef, and this is an Achdos, whenever there is an Achdos, it means that you're kind of recognizing both powers, and you're unifying them. Um, when one side wins and the other one is defeated, it's not much of an Achdos. It's not really a unity. So the question is, how do we un- understand that we say in the end of days they will turn into one Malchus? but then, yet... Uh, the, the the David Amalek is going to be the king. David Amalek is meaning Mashiach, who is descendant of David, descendant of Yehuda, so that Yehuda triumphs over Yosef. So, how does that work with the idea that this is an Ahtus and this is a unification of both together? And we spoke earlier in a class a few weeks ago that there can't be two kings. The Jewish people can only have one king. So, you have to say that the kingdom of, of, of Yehuda is really, in essence, also the kingdom of Yosef. By Yehuda becoming king in the end of days, it's not the same kind of kingdom of Yehuda that negates the kingdom of Yosef. It's not a seesaw when when Yosef is up, Yehuda is down, and when Yehuda is up, Yosef is down. It's that's the way it is today. One overpowers the other. But when Mashiach comes and David Amelech and the the, the 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 king of David becomes Melech, it's not going to cancel Yosef's kingship. It's going to actually integrate and elevate Yosef's kingship into Yehuda. To the point that they're both, that 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 kingship is the kingdom of Yehuda and Yosef together, but it can only be if it's the, if it, through Yehuda not through Yosef. So to understand this, uh, let's get a deeper understanding of what the what this what this conflict is really all about. And the idea is as follows: It's really uh, you know Yosef and Yehuda represent two forces. Yosef is the force of masculine energy and Yehuda is the force of feminine energy Kabbalistically Yosef is the energy of what we call the Za'ir anpin the, 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 the level of za, za in Kabbalah. it's called za anpin it's the divine attributes emotional attributes and Yehuda is the is the um, is the um, embodiment in Yehuda and then through his children of the attribute of kingship of the Abish This Malchus Malchus is feminine Malchus is the Shechina. the Shechina is feminine so you have the masculine and the feminine, and to understand the the, uh, the 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 dynamics, the deeper dynamics of what this conflict, of what this uh, tension is between these two forces, what do they mean? So uh, let's take a look for a moment. You see, Zachar. a man is in, in in the Hebrew. The word Zachar is a man. Now Zachar means the ma- masculinity is a force of 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 of. Of expression, of projection, the idea of a man is projecting himself. Um, it's a projection of self. Uh, that's why zachar means also the word to be remembered, to be mentioned. The man needs his name to be mentioned. He needs to be present. He needs to be. Uh, there is a a a a strong demonstration of his being, of his presence. The man energy is to be, to be present. The woman's energy. Femininity is a receptiveness, it's a receiving, it's a space. The word in Hebrew for nekeva comes from the word a space. A nakov is a empty space. Nekeva, femininity, means a space to receive. In a sense, the power of the woman is not in her being, but in her Space that she can exist in non-beingness. Now, what does that mean? Let's take a look for these two personalities. Let's take a look for, for instance, Yosef and Yehuda, and we'll see a striking difference between them. When you took a look at Yosef, you see that Yosef is the symbol of unbelievable success. When he's a very young boy, he's already this charming child. He's full of chayin. Ben Yosef. Yosef is a son of charm. He draws attention. He's so. He's so, he's like, everybody praises him. He's so, his father loves him. His father teaches him Torah. He's the apple of his eye. He's, he's he, 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 he achieves prophecy at a very young age. He has dreams of great success and a great, uh, of, 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 of being a king and being a ruler over his brother. His father makes him this beautiful coat. So he's the symbol of this, of, of development, of, of, of growth, of being all you, you can be. That's safe. Glamorous. And then when Yosef is sold as a slave, even in the hardest conditions, he always manages to triumph in every situation and to and to and make his way all the way up to the top. Like you see, when he's sold as a slave and he becomes a, a servant at his master's house, he immediately becomes the 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 leader, becomes the, the chief butler, the one in charge of the entire house. Then later when he's thrown into prison, Again, in the prison, he becomes the leader of the prison. He's the manager of the whole prison. And then he becomes the viceroy over all of Egypt. The ruler, as the Pasuk says, Yosef is the one that feeds the entire land. Yosef is the provider. He is the provider. He's very strongly pronounced as that powerful being. And, 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 and it's not just uh, in, in the physical sense, it's also spiritually. In, in every aspect, he's so so developed, so great, I mentioned um, he, 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 when he's in his master's house, he, he has a test, and it was a horrific test. His, his, his mistress was the, the epitome of, sed, of a seductress. She tried to seduce him for an entire year. This wasn't the little Nesoyen. This was the biggest, one of the biggest tests a human being ever had. And Yosef rose and triumphed over the Yetzirah. He was very successful. So he's the ultimate of success, of development, of being all that you can be. That's Yosef. Now let's take a look at, and let's look at his name, the name Yosef. Yosef means Lahosef to add, every day he's greater than the day before. Every day he's more beautiful. Every day he has more accomplishments in his under his belt that he accomplished this and he accomplished that and he accomplished and he accomplished and he's so great. His ksones possum, his shirt of colors becomes more beautiful every day in his life. And then we have Yehuda. What is Yehuda? When Yehuda is born, his mother says, now i will thank god now now thinking what's thinking thinking is the is an exp, is not an expression of self projection uh thinking is is a humility thinking is a abnegation Thanking is the acknowledgement that i needed to receive something from someone else you gave me something that's that 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 space uh, thanking the word ha'ida also means to admit, to submit, to to um, to um, concede something. So Yehuda is a man of that concedes. He's a man who bends. He's a man who yields and a man who surrenders himself. Like you see, the big story the Torah tells us, the one story the Torah tells us about Yehuda was when he, when he, the story that he as opposite of Yosef, who was beat his Yitzhahara, the Torah tells a story where Yehuda succumbed, so to speak, to the temptation. Yes, we, we all understand that we don't understand Yehuda's test, and Hashem did it in order to bring Mashiach to the world. But the idea is that Yehuda did not pass the, in flying colors as the great, great tzaddik. He makes a mistake. And then in the end, when Tamar, his life is hanging on a thread, and she sends the proof to Yehuda, and she says, you, she doesn't want to say openly who it was, and she says, you make, you acknowledge, and it would take, now, you you can't even imagine the awesome embarrassment. Yehuda's the head of the court. He's like the head of the Sanhedrin. He's judging the case, and he has to openly admit and own up and say, this is from me, and embarrass himself publicly. You can imagine how that went out in all the tabloids and so on and so forth. The shame but that's Yehuda. It's the self-effacement. It's that bending. And why does he do it? To save the life of another person. To save Tamar. He's doing it because another person is... Above him is more important than his own honor than himself. It's the surrender of himself for the other person. It's when Yehuda comes also to Yaakov and Yehuda says to Yaakov, I will guarantee Yosef. Yaakov believes him because Yaakov knows that Yehuda will lay himself on the line. Yehuda will stick his neck out. Yehuda will take his shirt out for someone else. Yehuda is the ultimate one who was, who was going to take on Yosef and all of Egypt to fight to, to his very last. Um, 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 a drop of blood to save his brother Binyamin and bring him back. Because Yehuda is that total dev- devoted to something bigger than himself. It's not about him. It's about what he is serving. What he is commit. So Yehuda is the champion of commitment of dedication. When Yosef is the champion of development of growth. Of of both these things are two very strong powers that we that we have in our lives which we're commanded by God to make the most of ourselves, to utilize our mind, to develop our minds, to develop ourselves emotionally, to become a refined person, to become a kind person, to become a gentle person, to study, to learn, to become wise, and so on and so forth. And yet we are also, in our Judaism, commanded to be committed and to help and to surrender ourselves and to surrender ourselves to God. These are two aspects in our dream. We'll get to that in a moment, but let's for a moment discuss how these two powers of Yehud and Yosef are not just powers in the world, they're powers in the divine. Because Yosef and Binyamin are just, Yosef and Yehud are just physical manifestations of godly powers. So in the divine, we also know there are ten sefirot. And as I mentioned earlier, Yosef represents the masculine attributes of God and Yehuda represents the feminine attribute of God. So Yosef's representation of the masculine energy of God is that Yosef Yosef um, I'm sorry that the, the the aspect of the of the, the divine emotions, the attributes, the godly emotions are all about expressing the greatness of Hashem. One of the attributes is chesed. It's the expression of God's infinite kindness. Gevureh, it's the expression of God's infinite power. Teferes, it's the expression of God's infinite compassion and beauty. Netzach, it's the power of God's victory. They're all a projection of self. It's all a projection of beingness. Then we get to Malchus. What's Malchus all about? The last and final. Malchus is kingship. We would think the king is the ultimate self. He's like the honorable king. Everybody bows down to him. But in truth... The attribute of Hashem's malchus is the ultimate humility. Because malchus means, what does malchus mean? Malchus, God is being a king over the world. When God is a king over the world, what is he essentially saying? In malchus, up till malchus there is no creation, there is only God. There is all the, whenever we, even when we speak a world, it's not a world. It's really just a manifestation of God. And all the spheres are the various different colors of God. It's the different divine powers. There's nothing other than Hashem. Malchus is, the, is that attribute where that God exits Himself to create. Now let's think for one moment. What, is it, what, is, what does it mean to create? What does it mean to create? To create something is, is for, for Hashem means that Hashem has to abnegate His own existence. He has to remove Himself. Think about it. God is, and there's none but Him. He's all isiism. He's all the. He is the substance of 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 existence. Is Him. He is the substance of. So it's not possible for anything to exist that have is to be and not God. God is the being of all beings. Yet, what is creation? God hides Himself, kind of covers Himself up, and allows. A creation to exist and allows not only a creation to exist where you can know and sense that the substance of the creation is the divine, he does it in a way that the creation feels autonomous, the creation feels independent, creation feels as if it's a self-sustained entity, especially when we get down to the physical world, which is the ultimate expression of Malchus, is where the with the Ebershter dims his light so much to the point that the creations are utterly unaware of him, even though he's there. everything. It's the ultimate Abnegation, it's Hashem moving to the side, it's Hashem not being, Hashem, it's not Hashem's projection, it's Hashem's, it's Hashem's abnegation, it's Hashem's contraction. That's malchus. That's a feminine quality. We know that the masculine energy is, is the energy of kindness, and the feminine energy is the energy of gvurah. The difference between chesed and gavur is chesed is an illumination. It's an expansion. Gavur is a contraction. So the ultimate contraction is in Malchus, because in Malchus the Eberster presents himself as a king over the world. That means there is a world. There is someone there. And to take this a step further, not only is there a world that God allows us to make choices and to be, but he even submits to us. He goes along with us. It's amazing. Think about the idea of prayer. When we daven, and by the way, it says that prayer is an, is an exercise of malchus, of our malchus, connecting to God's malchus. A vani tefillah is referring to, I'm not going to get into it right now, it's a vani, is the shechina, it's called tefillah. Well, what does that mean? When we're davening, that means God has a plan. And according to God's wisdom, and according to the way God sees things, this is the way things need to be. So and so, this person, Chas has to be sick. This person, Chas has to be in a quandary, a parnassah, livelihood, difficulty, and so and so. And then the person comes and prays. And Davin says, Hashem, please change the situation. So what do you mean you're arguing with God? God knows this is best. Yet when we pray, God answers us. And what does He do? And, we, and, 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 he, and, and He concedes to us. And He gives it to us that we should have what we need. But hold it. Isn't it the best for us not to have because God sees it? But you know what? God says, I'm in a relationship. And if you want something and you need it, I will do as you want, not as I want. But here's, here's an amazing thing. When God diminishes himself and, and allows us to be, he doesn't let us suffer the consequences. He doesn't say, well, if it's going to be the way you want to be and I'm going to give you the money, you're going to see this money is going to be detrimental and it's going to cause you so much pain and horror until you're going to admit that I was right. It's like a husband and a wife are in a car and the wife says you should take the 405 and the husband wants to take the 5 and the wife is insisting that she take the 405 and the husband can't bear his wife's nagging. So he says, you know what? You want it your way, I'll do it your way. I want to take the 405. And he takes the 405, and they get stuck in traffic. And then he's sitting there smirking quietly and saying, Huh, you like it? This is what it is. This is you having it your way. That's not what God does with us. That's not a true husband. A true husband is, for his wife, he will accommodate her will. She wants to go that way, he will go that way. And guess what? He will make it work. Yes, he will do what he needs, and if he needs to get off the exit and maneuver a little bit and come back on and so on, and put himself into it even while it's happening in her own way. In other words, it's he's not being cancelled in her existence. He's 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 conceding and in the non-beingness, it's, it's 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 he's present in the non-beingness. That's the idea. The feminine energy, I'm talking about the husband being feminine over here in the sense that he's giving in to his wife, that aspect of space. For the other is a feminine quality. It doesn't mean only that men are filled only with masculine energy and women are filled only with feminine energy. A woman needs to have some masculinity and a man needs to have some femininity in order for the two to be able to connect to each other. A relationship requires both, and, and both on both ends. We're talking about the general idea. Speaking about you know uh, 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 the the the, um, the when a woman a woman uh, 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 carries a baby, right? So when the woman has a baby, so there is her body, imagine, there is someone, a complete other human being sharing her space. A man could never have a baby. The reason a man can't have a baby is because masculinity doesn't allow for hollow space. That's not filled with self. The masculine energy is I am. I need to be everywhere, and therefore it's all about I, it's my goodness. Well, even it's it's my it's my existence. It's my it's it's the it's the stamp of me. And the woman is that Kali Raycon. It's that empty space, the ability to receive and to take something in and to make. That's why a woman is so precious to a man because the woman takes the man in psychologically she takes him in she she envelops him she allows she gives him the the the, the power to project his being and someone who can receive him and be the ultimate receptacle and the power that 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 uh, that that acknowledges and recognizes his existence that's why she validates him in a manner that no one else can validate a wife can validate a husband like no one else can validate she's that She's that enveloper, that space for him. And that's also within a child. She can have a child within her. It's all in that element of abnegation. When a mother is mothering, she's totally abnegated to her child. And So this is the idea. So um, the the, um, element of Malchus, as it is by God, is God as well, going back to prayer. That's where, where, where I went off. We're talking about prayer God allows us to have an opinion, and even though we're little schmendricks, we're little peepsqueaks, we don't know anything, it's like the husband who knows the road. He drives here every day. He's been going here 30 years. His wife never drives in the car. She doesn't, he, he takes this freeway, but he knows the better way, but she wants to go that way, so he lets it be her way. God does the same thing with us. He lets us, that's his feminine trait of malchus, to leave room for us to exist. So we have these two powers, the power of presence, of being, and the power. Now let's translate that as that translates into our service of Hashem, our us relating to God. Being that these are in the divine, there is the power of the masculine traits and there is the feminine traits, the ze'eranpin and the mauchos, Um, As that translates into, no, just for one moment, I'm just going to connect an interesting idea. We said that these two powers are the power of Yosef and the power of Yehuda. So when we take a look and we see later in in history, we see that Yosef, the the, the kings of Yosef, Shol HaMelech, By the way, Shol Shol uh, fall. His greatness was the sages say perfect on his, on his on his own life. He was perfectly impeccable. He didn't do any sins. And and then the problem he had was that when he was called upon one thing that he did wrong which he followed his own mind and he didn't want to surrender himself exactly to the word of God he used his own intellect and his intellect misled him so later when Shmuel Anavi says you didn't listen he, instead of admitting immediately and saying yes I made a mistake he begins to cover up for himself and that's a masculine element that's Shol HaMelech. When you look at David HaMelech, he doesn't have that perfect card. He doesn't shine with that perfection like Shaul HaMelech. He makes mistakes, but he owns up to them immediately. He owns up to them, and on half of the hill him, he's crying about his, about his. I'm so poor. I'm so weak. Without you, God, I can't have anything. So you see, you sense that poverty. You sense that humility. You sense that nothingness. You sense the space in David HaMelech. Now both David. And, Sho- and 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 uh, Yeshua binun, who brings the Jewish people into Eretz Yisrael, and then you have, as we spoke earlier, leaders that belonged to Ephraim, build a home for God. The home that was built by Shaul, by, Sho- by not by Shaul, but the, when they built the, Mish- the Mishkan, and when Shaul was king, and when the, when, uh, when under Yeshua, so this was the Mishkan of Shiloh Shiloh was in the territory of Ephraim, the territory of Sho- of Yosef. If you take a look at the Mishkan of Shiloh you find an interesting thing. The Mishkan of Shiloh was made out of. Wooden, it had wooden, it had wood, like the Mishkan in the, in the Beis HaMikdash had wooden beams. Um, and then it had animal hides on the top. So it was made out of Tzomeach and it was made out of Chai. Um, the Mishkan that David Melech built, I'm sorry, the Beis HaMikdash that King David built in Jerusalem was made completely out of stone. So Rabbi of the Yadi explains. These two Batei Mikdash represent these two elements. Um, when you're serving God in the manner of Yosef, which means you're serving Hashem through the development of yourself, of being a righteous person, being good, being smart, being kind, being... So then that's your mishkan that you're building to Hashem is represented by the a tree. What's a tree? A tree is, grows. It's Yosef. It grows. Every day it's nicer. It bears fruit. It's attractive. It's beautiful. Um, but that's not the way David HaMelech serves Hashem David HaMelech serves Hashem His, Again, let's understand something all the, all the tzaddikim of the Yosef world Incorporate elements of Yehuda And the elements of Yehuda Tzadikim descendants of Yehuda Have to incorporate elements of Yosef as well The question is What's the dominant factor? So Yehuda's Beis HaMikdash When Yehuda built the Beis HaMikdash When David built the Beis HaMikdash, It's made out of stone And what stone? Stone is not Nothing impressive about the stone. The stone doesn't grow. Come back 50 years, 100 years later, the stone looks exactly like it looked 100 years ago. There's no change. There's it nothing. It's just a simple stone. But the stone represents humility. The stone, the stone represents silence. It's a domain. Domain means it's silent. It's not projecting of self, it's the humility, and it allows everybody to step on it. The, the highlight of a Beis hamidrash, the main dominant service of God in the Beis hamidrash, was a do, was a service of abnegation. It was law. It was to thank God. It was to admit to Hashem. It was to to have bittle. In general, I want to just give an interesting idea. You know, as these things play out amongst the Jewish people, you see there are two groups, two philosophies. There is the philosophy of Musser and there's the philosophy of Hasidus. If you go to the non-Hasidic world and you get the flavor of what's... I know it because I studied in the non-Hasidic yeshivas. I grew up there. The flavor is a very Yosef. Flavor, flavor. The bracha you'll give a kid is that he should grow up and become a gadol. He should become a great person. He should, you should shtayg. That's the bracha. You should shtay. What's shtaygen? Shtaygen means you should develop yourself. You should be all you you can be. If you listen to uh, talks given to girls in a non-Hasidic school, it's all about the development of self. Be all you can be. Strive for greatness. Shlemos and so on and so forth. It's all Yosef Judaism. It's valid Judaism. Yosef was the leader of the Jewish people. It's valid. It's all about the development and the growth. And then there is Hasidic Judaism. Hasidic emphasizes the simple Jew. Hasidic emphasizes take a Jew... And do a mitzvah. You say, "What do you mean, do a mitzvah?" What is it? He, the Jew is listening to God's commandment right now. You say, "Well, come on, did you take him? Did you develop?" Him? And let's take a look at Bal Tshuva. Thank God, everybody in the last uh, whatever fifty years or people are involved in, in, in or thirty, whatever. I don't know exactly. I'm going to go into it exactly when the Bal movement started and people started doing uh, uh, being Makar and You see that there's a difference. Someone becomes a a a Tshuva in in a Hasidic. Uh, it's more about. These are your obligations. Do a mitzvah. Am I? Maybe I don't have the time or the ability. I'm busy getting thousands of Jews doing a mitzvah. I don't have time to work so much in developing you. I hope you'll find a good teacher that can develop you and guide you and make you also a refined and elevated and studious and so on and developed human being. But meanwhile, I'm looking for Jews on the street corner to do a mitzvah. What's doing a mitzvah? I'm surrendering to God's will. It's a Yehuda moment. A mitzvah is a Bittal moment. Torah is a Yosef thing. So, but uh, uh, those who are drawn and become baltuvah through, let's say, Esha Torah, it's all about. I'm going to develop you. I'm going to grow you. You're going to become smart. You're going to learn a lot of Torah. We're not going to ask you to put on Tefillin until you've learned so much and you understand so much and so on and so forth. Both are valid, two different approaches, two different approaches to life, two different approaches to the way everything is done. You see, so I'm just saying these ideas are not just a fight between Yosef and Yehuda. These this becomes a tension kind of throughout history. What's the way, best way? In Vilna, it was highlighted the Yosef approach. The scholars were the great people. Though and the simple people who hardly can say olive bays or read a or so, on, do a simple mitzvah. Were dismissed. You weren't. There was nothing glamorous about you. Nothing to applaud. Nothing to see. The Baal Shem Tov came, and the Baal Shem Tov saw the beauty in the simple Jew doing a simple mitzvah. Why? Because the why the Baal Shem Tov? Because the Baal Shem Tov is already the return of Malchus Beis David. The Tov is paving the way for Mashiach. And when Mashiach is going to come, it's going to highlight the greatness of simple Jews. The simple mitzvah. Why? What's so great about? What is? And, and, What is so great about simplicity and a simple mitzvah and the simple obedience and the simple surrender? Because in the surrender, when you're not, you can allow God to be. See, when you are, even though you're connecting to God, but you're only connecting to God in accordance to your capacity, in accordance to your strength, in accordance to your abilities. How much, if you're knowing Hashem, if you're studying and you're knowing, how much do you know? There's a limit to how much you know. But if you're surrendering and you're making space, then you're allowing God to enter on God's terms. And when God is entering on God's terms, it's infinite and boundless. So the bittle of Yehuda, in a sense, in that Masa goes much deeper. It allows Hashem in much more than Yosef. Yosef keeps Hashem limited to enter in accordance to the shape and form of his or her development. The Yehuda allows God to be the problem. However, the downside with Yehuda is that Yehuda remains in that sense coarse. Remains undeveloped, because I'm only surrendering to God, I'm not developing myself, I'm not refining myself. That's why it's not okay just to do a mitzvah, it's not okay just to be simple. You need to also study, and if, 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 if you're simple or, or unlearned, you have a mitzvah to study Torah and seek a teacher and develop yourself. Both are necessary components, the question is, now really this is, this is a question in the Talmud. The Talmud asks the question, what's greater, Talmud gadol or Misa gadol? Study is greater or action is greater? Talmud has a question. Which one is greater? And the question is not just, is it greater to learn, the, learn Torah or do a mitzvah? The question is this deep question. Is it masculine energy or is it feminine energy? Which one is the more dominant? Which one is the truth? What is the, what is the better way of serving God? What's considered higher? Yosef for Yehuda? Um, so it's interesting. The Talmud answers a very tricky answer. The Talmud says, Talmud Gadol, the Talmud is greater, because it brings to action. <laughs> so which one is greater? After the Talmud answers the question, you still have the question. Which one is greater? Is Talmud greater? Or is Misa greater? Let's talk for a moment about the quality of Misa. What does Misa mean? Misa is an act of a mitzvah. The act of a mitzvah is supposed to be... The primary notion of doing a mitzvah is you're doing it because God said so. That's what the act of a mitzvah is. In, in act of a, When you're doing a mitzvah, you're not supposed to be thinking of how much you appreciate and understand and how much this mitzvah does for you. In a mitzvah, you're doing God's will. And when you're learning Torah, you're becoming more godlike. You are identifying yourself with, with Hashem. In a sense, we can say, you know, in Rosh Hashanah Davening, we say, Im im kavadim. If we're like children, or we're going to be like servants. So, generally, we think that if we're like children, we're much on a much higher level. Yeah, in a sense, yeah. Because a child of a king, a child of an aristocrat, the child is aristocratic. So, a Jew who is a scholar is called a child of Hashem. It, the child element, because he's very godlike. God is wise, he is wise. God is generous, he is generous. But then there is something else. The king has to have a servant. What's the mile of a servant? problem with a son is that a son is, is, is close to you, but the son doesn't always listen to you. <laughs> it's because he's so perfect and so fine. The, the, the servant is the one that has... He might be very, very unsophisticated, but the king knows if he needs something done, he calls a servant. So we are both. We are servants of Hashem in mitzvah observance, and we are, 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 are children of God in Torah study. But here's an interesting thing. The word ma'iseh, which means, when the Talmud is, Talmud is asking the question, Talmud or ma'iseh gadol? Ma'iseh, deed. The word ma'iseh, the root of the word ma'iseh is related to, the word ma'useh. Ma'useh means compelled, forced. Ma'useh, like the Chazal used the word get ma'useh. Get ma'useh means a forced divorce. Something that you're... So the root of ma'iseh, is that, we're, that that What does that mean? It doesn't mean that when I'm doing a mitzvah, I have to do the mitzvah in a manner where I really I can't stand it. I don't want to die. I don't want to do the mitzvah now. I don't want to uh, whatever. I don't want to give the tzedakah, and I'm forcing myself. I, I hate giving tzedakah. And I'm giving the tzedakah anyways. No, no. Of course, it's okay to be excited to give tzedakah and to help out and so forth. But the actual merit, the greatness of all asiyah sa mitzvahs, is the fact that in asiyah there's a certain element of forcing. And what do I what do I mean that is a and every asia, and every action is a certain element of compelling, which means I'm getting I'm going beyond myself. Let's take for example this week there was a tragedy, I mentioned it earlier, Nebuch, that horrible tragedy, and it, it happened in Flapush. and and you know, thousands of people across the world read about the tragedy, and there's two types of people. There is a masculine, um, 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 what's it called again, response to reading the news, and there's a feminine response. There is a Yosef response, and there is a Yehuda response. The Yosef response in a sense, I, mean, understand. I don't mean that Yosef would respond that way, I'm, I'm just giving the, the idea behind it. When someone hears about it and reads about it and suddenly they're overwhelmed with compassion and they cry and they feel so 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 hurt their whole day and they'll even put a comment, you know, I'm crying now, I'm I'm pain, I'm suffering, and so on and so forth. And in a certain sense, they're satisfied with that. Okay, I cried already and, and look, I'm a good person. I, I have compassion, I care. Oh, do you have to do something about it? Do, why should I do? What's doing? It's, it's, in the act, the act is already no more me. The act, what's the act? Okay, now, so someone so someone goes ahead and opens up a, a campaign to raise money to be able to help the victims. Oh, so now I actually have to do something. What's the act of doing? Well, doing is really not about me. So, there are, if, if you find yourself, or if you see with, <laughs> that, that, that you can identify, you can cry, you can feel, but it doesn't lead to an action to actually help, means that there is a lot of masculine... Um, the idea of, 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 of the, the, the Talmud energy is very intense, But the Maisa element is not yet developed. Because the Maisa means I'm stepping out of myself and actually it's not about me anymore. Now it's about your suffering and your pain and your situation and you need help. So you should, not even the fact that I'm helping you, it's the fact that you need help and you need to have what you need to have. That's the Maisa, that's the action. That's the root of action. The root of action is not me, it's it's, Malchus is both speech, Dibur and Maisa. And in Dibur you have the same thing also. When I'm speaking, what does that mean? I'm leaving myself, and I'm and I'm, I'm acknowledging you. I'm speaking to you. That's why it's interesting. We find that when a person is experiencing intense emotion, when you're very very angry or very 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 loving or very intense about something, when you're a, a person can't speak by their child's chuppah. They're they're overwhelmed by the emotion. Why? Because the more intense your emotions are, the more in touch you are with yourself. See, when I'm talking about self, over here, I'm not, I don't mean in a negative way. It's not arrogance, it's not ego. It's just being in touch with your inner energy. When you're in touch with yourself, there's no space for another being to exist. I can't speak to you. It's when the emotion, the inner energy of self is diminished. Now I'm not feeling myself so much. Then I can sense that you're there, then I can talk to you and share with you my emotion. But the fact that I'm fe- sharing with you my emotion is already a stepping away from me and entering into your world. Malchus is dibur. Dibur is a feminine act because it's an act of space. I, In order to speak to you, I first have to allow you to occupy space in me that I can consider you as somebody valid to talk to. So I'm allowing you to enter into me. And that's in speech. In kol shkei v'kal how much more so? In maisa, in action, It's to- in speech at least, I am projecting my energy, my words into you. It's in a sense, even speech can be self. Self. I want you to hear me. I'm talking. But in action, it's what I am doing for you. So action is the ultimate bittle of self. It's the act of malchus, as we spoke earlier. So... Um, Um, That's what the sages are asking. Which one is greater? Is is Talmud greater or Misa is greater? And the answer is that Talmud is greater because it leads to action. So what does that mean? That Talmud is greater than it leads to action. What is the deeper meaning of that? You see, it seems like from the sages clearly that the sages have recognized clearly that action is a greater thing. And that has to do with what I said earlier. Because when you are developing and being all you can be, after all, everything is said and done, you're still you. You're still a finite creature. And no matter how wonderful and great you are, you will always just be you and not God and not infinite. So there's a limit to your being. So that's, but in Mysa, in action, since in action there is bittel And where there is bittel there is no you, there is space. And in that space, God can come in. So that's why Maysa is for sure greater. But yet the sages say that Talmud Godol Shemevil de mysa. That Talmud is greater Because it brings to action What does that mean? That means like this Who is more likely To do more acts of mitzvahs And more A, a, a simple person Who is who's undeveloped Either intellectually Or emotionally They're very very coarse emotionally they, They've never really worked on themselves On their character traits And intellectually They have, don't have any 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 higher knowledge So they're just very 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 or very, what we would say, very ordinary, very very, very, very material. So, of course, they will do a mitzvah here and there because inside their neshama sense is God's command. And when God commands you to do something, they will do. But how meticulous will they do the mitzvah? How many mitzvahs will they be doing? Not that many. But when someone has Talmud and they've, achieved that inner refinement, a lot of Torah study, a lot of mitzvah observance, a lot of a lot of self character refinement and development. So it will lead that they will do be doing a lot of actions, a lot of mitzvahs. But let's understand something: if you're if you, so, therefore Talmud is, is Goddol is greater that it leads to action, that it leads to more action. The truth is, however, if we really, 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 if we really, what's it called again? Um, um, dissect it even though the Talmud is gaddled that it leads to more Misa, the quality of the Misa, of the one who studies Torah, in, in terms of the Misa element, is less than the quality of the Misa of the person who doesn't have the Talmud. And the reason for that is because the, the person who is doing the Misa, the action, as a result of his Talmud, his actions are filled with some sense of achievement of self. This is my action. This is my tefillin. This is my Shabbos. This is my mitzvah. And it's coming, not necessarily, again, not, it doesn't have to be arrogant. I understand the greatness of tefillin and therefore I'm putting on tefillin. There's not so much mu'usa, There's not so much bending in the action. Action always is considered the bending. It's always considered an act of malchus, an act of uh, a feminine uh, uh, um, um, exercise. But it's filled with a lot of masculine, masculinity in it. As opposed to the simple Jew who doesn't have all that knowledge and all that understanding and is just doing the mitzvah because he knows it's Hanukkah, you gotta light Chanukkah candles. He didn't learn Mesech the to the Shabbos, didn't learn the Gemara, didn't learn the Torah, didn't learn the Hasidus, didn't learn the inner. He just knows, you gotta, well, you gotta light Chanukkah, he lights that. So in there, there is more of a bittle, a nullification to the Abishtha's will. But yet, there will be much more Misa coming from a person who has Talmud, so the Talmud will lead to Misa. And now we're saying an amazing thing. When Mashiach will come, we say that um, David will, David avdi nasi lahem olam. Today's world, until Mashiach comes, we have been primarily dominated by a Yosef kind of attitude. When Mashiach will come, Yeshua, Mashiach will bring forth the quality of Yehuda. Mashiach himself is a descendant of Yehuda. David, and what does it say about David? It says, Vidavid avdi, my servant David, nasi lahem servitude, bittle, nullification, surrender, that's that's the maila, that's the quality. But as we asked earlier the question, but hold it, so we're going to go, we're going to appreciate then abnegation, but what's with Yosef? What's with the quality of Yosef? So here is where I want to just share something very, 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 very deep and very powerful. But as an introduction to that, let's just ask, just clarify one simple thing. How is it possible to say that when Mashiach comes, we say maisa will be gadol, that now Talmud is greater because Talmud leads to action. When Mashiach will come, so you have both Talmud and Mashiach will come, Misa will be God. I'm asking two questions. Number one question is, how can you have Misa without Talmud? Even today, when you have Misa, when you have action, you need to have a little bit of Talmud. The simple Jew has to come to the rabbi and the rabbi has to give him instructions or he has to read Kitzar Shulchan Aruch. He has to read some kind of instruction. He has to have a Hanukkah guide. He has to have some level of Talmud to be able to do the action. When we say Mashiach will come, Misa will will be great, which means Misa will not be dependent on the Talmud. Because if it's the Misa coming from the Talmud, then that's today, Talmud is great because it leads to Misa. We have to say that Misa, action will stand on its own right, but how can there be action without, without Talmud? That's question number one. Question number two, if we're saying that Talmud is great today because Talmud leads to action, so you have both, Talmud and action. If we're going to say when Mashiach comes, Misa is greater, we have to say, that it means Misa itself triumphs and goes higher than Talmud and Misa. So you have to say that the Misa, the action of the days of Mashiach, is a different kind of an action than the actions we have today. And on that level, the action of, of, of Misa in those days is greater than the Talmud and the Misa that we have today. So to understand that, let's first understand how we can have Mashiach's world observance without first studying. And the answer is as follows. Since God created the world and God is the essence of everything, so the core of every creature and every being is the divine wish and the divine will that it should exist and God animates it, gives it life, gives it, it gives it, right? So obviously we understand that the nature of every creature and every being should act in compliance and inconsistent with, with the Abnerster's will. So just like when you take a computer or you take a printer and you start feeding paper in the wrong direction when the printer, suddenly the, the printer is going to start flashing a light and it's going to tell you error, error, error. You know, you put the paper down on the wrong thing is not working It only makes sense that the printer itself Should alert you and say the printer isn't working The computer whatever. When you're trying to mess with things it itself If you try to put things down your body That doesn't belong in your body Your body will, will, will reject it The person you will throw up or whatever So, so, so the, the, the way the world When something is supposed to work in a certain way So the world is supposed to really work That it should keep all the tariag mitzvos All Shabbos You're not supposed to do work And so on and so forth That should be natural to the world what happened is because of the sin of the Eitz Adas, When Adam and Chava sinned, they corrupted the whole world. When they corrupted the whole world, the world kind of became like misaligned. It became disconnected, and therefore, stuff—the klipa that came into the world—created this this, 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 this disconnect that things do not naturally are not connected to there. But when Mashiach will come, just like today's days, we understand that a little child. Even a little, little child will not stick his hand into fire because the little child instinctively knows fire is dangerous, doesn't have to learn it and study it, and so on, right? People uh, will, will naturally refrain from, from like it's, an animal doesn't jump into, runs away from a fire. It's all instinctive. When Mashiach will come, Judaism, mitzvahs, Shabbos observance, the medrash actually says that today's days a person goes to his wife when his wife is in Nida, no, he can decide to have relations with her. When Mashiach will come, it will be impossible because the couch or the bed that he was approaching will cry out and say, you know, alert, alert, not kosher, not kosher. It says when a person will try to take a te'ena, a fig from a tree, the tree will cry out on Shabbos, Shabbos ayam, how can you take me? Means the, nat- the world will naturally be synchronized with God. So we won't want to do anything wrong. So that is when we say that's. So it so comes out, you don't need Talmud. It's like natural, it's intrinsic. You don't have to learn it. Observance of Torah and will be the most natural thing for, for man. Okay, so you can have Maisa without Talmud, that we understand. But now let's take it a step deeper and understand what is the quality of Maisa that's going to be when Mashiach comes. You see, when we're looking at a person's soul at, 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 on a person, and, and See, earlier when I spoke about the quality of action, I said action is so great because in action you're removing yourself and you're allowing God to be. But if you remember, we emphasized and we said that's the quality of when you have the action in that action, in that space, God can be. But in terms of the quality of the person, a person who has a Talmud human being, a person, let me give a, a, an example, a person who studied Torah and has worked on himself and has deep and 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 develop themselves and in, 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 in character refine good midos, and really really you have a person that person is on a, is on a much higher level than a than, than a simple person who's just simply obedient and doing a mitzvah in terms of quality of soul this that we say that intellect and emotion is filled with self that's not a negative thing when a person is 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 in the intellect. The intellect is closer to the soul itself. So when you're closer to yourself, you sense yourself more. So the intellect has a greater presence of, of soul. Emotion has a more external, that's why an emotion, in an, an intellect I can be completely private myself. When I'm studying I don't need anybody. In an emotion I need to experience with something outside of me, which means I'm stepping a little bit more into the external part of my being where I can sense something other than myself. And then action is the most external part of my being, the, the, the outer, outer part. And therefore, on that most external place, I don't feel myself so much, I can create a, a, a space for you to be. That, that's why action... So in a sense, in terms of soul, the more inner you go, the more intense the I becomes, the, the self becomes. So it, 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 if we're talking about anishama, a person serving God, so someone... say, What makes it that some people... Uh, they only they do mitzvahs. They do mitzvahs. They're mitzvah Jews. That means that their service of Hashem is only on the most bottom tier of their soul. It means the, their connection to God is only kabbalos O al-chashomayim, which means they have no identification to Hashem emotionally. They have no connection to God intellectually. They just obey and do the mitzvah. So that means on the most bottom aspect of their being, they're compliant with Hashem. But all their other deeper parts are not connected. Right? So they're living on the surface. A person who has Aves Hashem and yiras Hashem, that means that person uncovered a deeper part of their soul. So they love God and they fear God. A person who has intel- an intellectual understanding of God has not covered even a deeper part of their soul, their moichin. their understanding. And then there is a person who reaches the deep desire of the soul, what we call the level of, the, the, the desire to God, the powerful, that's even a deeper level of the soul. And then even deeper than the, than the, than the, than the desire to a desire that transcends reason is the pleasure of the soul. A person who has, whose entire delight is divinity. So you realize that in terms of quality of soul, Misa, action, Kabbalah's El Malchah Shemayim is the weakest, the most external, the, the most superficial element of a Jewish Judaism. It's, but here is the great deep, deep, deep concept. And there's a powerful, powerful concept. And that is as follows. That even though as we look at things superficially, it seems like the action, the final kabbalah's el Mal Qushamayam is the most external and weakest, that the feminine aspect is a sense of weakness. Because I'm because at this outer level I'm not so I'm not so permeated with self, therefore I can make space for someone else the truth is that the power of bittel of, of malchus, of the, of the most external Kabbalah is rooted in the quintessence of the soul itself, deeper than all the kaihas. This idea, and we have to do it very briefly, is related to the concept of what we say soif chila, Or, put it this way, that malchus is rooted higher than all the other sefirot. Even though God projects ten sefirot, and malchus manifests the last, malchus is rooted in the person himself, in, 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 in the abishter himself, higher. That's why Malchus is the... is The, the sphere of where a king wears a crown. Crown, Kesar, is the highest. So how does that work? Let me just explain that. You see, the reason why all the other attributes are are all about expression, self-expression, about beingness, is because they're all related to the Abishter's expression. They, they're they starting, they start being in... In, in Kabbalah it says there is... There is God, and there is what we call the Einfach, the Infinite Light. The Infinite now, the Infinite Light is the expression of the Einfach. It's His Light. It's His Emanation. So the Light of the Ur, of the Ein-Sof, being that it's Light, the definite, the element of Light is what's the element of Light? Light is revealing, revealing who I am. That's what Light is. Since Light is the revelation, that's why all the Spheros that are rooted in Light, they're all about revealing God. Malchus is not rooted in the or-ein-sof. Malchus is rooted in atzmos, in the essence of the ein-sof himself. The essence doesn't have to reveal. The essence is, is the essence. It's comfortable being just the essence. It doesn't, need to, it doesn't need to reveal. Because it doesn't need to reveal, it's not, in other words, anything related to the or, Oer is limited in revelation. But, but something that's rooted in deeper than revelation, it's an essence. Essence doesn't have to be. It can be not as well. So I'm not. The fact that I'm not, the fact that I'm not projecting, the fact that I'm not loud doesn't in any way dismiss me, doesn't eradicate me, doesn't make me not, not exist. Like we find, I'm just going to give a little bit of an understanding to this idea. A person who's, who, who has a deep, a deep sense of self, a true real sense of self, doesn't have to always project their ideas and their feelings and their opinions in every situation. They're perfectly fine going to a place and being quiet and silent. A person who's all the time very, very much pushing themselves into every situation, you know that they have a very unhealthy sense of self. It's that insecurity, it's that dis- It's the disconnect from their true self that requires them constantly to prove their being and their presence. The masculine need of constant recognition and presence comes from the fact that it's not as stable, it's not as sure as the femininity. The feminine character of space, comes from that she is such, she's anchored so deep in the essence of of existence, in the essence of God, that's why she's perfectly comfortable in not being. So, to to translate, that's why it's interesting. It's only the female who has, as we spoke earlier, the space for another being that has the ability to create something totally new. The man can create, the woman can create. Of course, she uses the drop she receives from the man, but, it, but the actual creation of the child happens in the woman. Why is the woman the only one who can create? Because the woman in that space, in that bittu, she's really, really relating and connecting to Atzimus, to God himself, who is the only one who really can create from absolute nothingness. Same as also, we think about earth and heaven. Heaven is male, Shemayim is male, and earth, we spoke earlier, is, is female. Earth the water comes from the heaven But the actual production of something new Comes from the earth The nothingness of the earth Expresses the very very power And the very very essence of God himself So let's go back to a Jew's serving of Hashem When a Jew does a mitzvah, An act of a mitzvah A simple act of a mitzvah and he's bending, even though on the simplest levels, the reason why the Jew is bending and doing Hashem's will is because he feels he has no choice. It's like a some great, God after all is God, and I can't rebel against it. So it's a very superficial kind of a level of their soul. But the true reason why they can yield and they can bend that the person can be not is because at the very, very, very core of the Jew's neshama, at the very, very essence of the Jew's neshama, in the essence of the soul, the Jew is God's wife, which means there is a space, a total abnegation, a total total not-being, and that's the neshama. The neshama is the, so to speak, the female for God, which means a place where God's truth can can manifest, and we can receive Him. And how can we receive Him in the deepest way? By totally dissolving and not being, and allowing Him to be, just like we say God does for us. God his feminine trait of not being, so that we can be, we at our neshama, at our very, very core, and our etzem are totally bottled to the eibishter. That's the underlying sub-subconscious of every time I don't want to do a mitzvah, or I'm not in the mood, or I'm not inspired, and I go and I push myself in the action. It's really rooted in this essence. Much higher than where all the kochas, much higher than where the intellect is rooted, much higher where the emotions are rooted. Rooted at the very, very, very essence. That's why... uh, but that's the difference between action today and action when Mashiach comes. In these days when we do action, we're only touching action on its most external level of soul. And on that place we say that this kind of action is elevated or increased by more we study, the more we learn, the more inclined we are to do more action. But when Mashiach comes, Mashiach himself is, he himself is the essence of all Jewish souls. He's going to open us all up to our essence. He's going to reveal our intrinsic femininity at the core of our etzma'ut neshama, where we're totally bottled to the there. And once Mashiach will do that, when we are doing Hashem's will, whenever we will come into a situation, where we are living life after Mashiach comes, and God wants something, and our maybe and our interest is like for a moment is in conflict with that because we wanted to take that as we spoke earlier. I wanted to take that fig. But now God—it's Shabbos. I can't take it. Whoa! So suddenly God is, and I feel God's truth so deeply that He is, and I'm melting completely out of existence because He is, He is, He is real, and that itself is my truth. My truth is that I'm a receptacle for His Ms for His truth. That's the depth of my soul. That's why my. Oh, what? Here's here's the Gavald Indian. Once when Mashiach comes, through action we're going to reveal the essence of our soul. The essence of our soul is really the source of all the other kochos and nefesh Because ultimately, even though we said all the other kohas come from the expression of our soul, that's the, that's the revealed source of all the other kochos. But the truth is, ultimately, everything goes back to the fact that I have a soul, and therefore I have all the other kochos. When Mashiach will come as a result of our action coming from our essence, revealing our essence, that will plug or allow all the other kochas an also to reach to reach deeper and to reveal their source in the essence. And as a result of that, when I am when I am. I have Seichel when I have Talmud. First of all, the Talmud is going to increase a billion fold because the essence, the energy of the essence of the soul is going to reveal itself in the kochos, And therefore the mind will be sharper. The emotions will be sharper. But here's the secret when I will study then Torah it won't be in a manner of some kind of an intellectual ego oh I conceive God or I I understand or I have an emotion a feeling of love and fear no, God is so true God is absolute His truth is so real and so true so He should be felt in every way possible so of course if I have a mind what's my mind filled with the truth of Hashem if I have an emotion what's my emotion filled with My all, I have an emotional capacity all my emotions are filled with God is filling all of it. I'm loving God. I'm in awe of Him. I'm feeling Him. So you realize the the, the all these powers of the soul are going to be emanating from a place of bittle. and then all so it will be. It's not. It's, it's, we will have what. To, see today's days. Just it's either or. Either I'm serving Hashem and I'm surrendering, or well, I'm feeling myself and I'm loving Him. It's all about. It's it, there's a certain. There's a certain I. There's a certain lack of bittal in the Yosef mode. When Mashiach will come, Yosef will become part of Yehuda. And then Yosef and Yehuda are completely one because they're both expressions of the essence. So why is Maisa gadol? Why is the, why is Maisa gadol then than Talmud? Maisa is greater than Talmud because Maisa uncovered this part of the Nish, this essence of the soul and, and, and enabled the Talmud to also experience that essence. So when Mashiach comes, it's interesting. Femininity will still remain feminine, which means she will still be a makabal from the masculine. The woman will still be makabul. The feminine demisa will still be makabel from the Talmud. It's no problem, because, as we, because the actions that we will do, in addition to we doing it naturally, will also be informed with all the knowledge. But it won't be, the knowledge won't in any way diminish this essential bital. Quite on the contrary, they'll both be enhancing each other. So Yosei, the ultimate kingdom of will, will the simple Jews will elevate the scholars, the scholars will transmit their knowledge to the simple Jews, and both of them will live together, and both will enhance each other. But the ultimate light will come from the simple Jews, because that simple bittul will be highlighted, that's the on Hamikdash, made out of stones. To just to conclude, and to bring this to what I was saying earlier, we're seeing in the world the rise of feminine energy. What that means is that, just in simple words, it's like this. As long as we're not holding the end of days, before, we're, before we completed the work of rectifying the physical world, the, the, the feminine element, before we've reached that refinement process, the, the, the makabal is very much in the hands of the mashpia, which means that, the, the, uh, the, as we said before, the simple Jew needs the rabbi. Without the rabbi, can't do anything. So therefore, it was possible for some rabbis to abuse their, their, their recipients. And, and as it translated in the world, it's possible f- for a soul to abuse a body, for, a, for, the, for a, a teacher to abuse a student, and ultimately for a man to abuse a woman. Once we're coming to the state when femininity will reveal its true source, then it will not be any more... In other words, femi- the feminine will not be seen as weakness. The feminine element will be the ultimate strength. I don't have to be... See, the, see in the way the world sees the feminist movement is the ultimate corruption of a feminist movement because it's trying with a woman is trying to be a man she's tr- but that's total opposite of a femininity femininity will not be a a an expression a a, 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 a what what the, the reason why women are revolting again is because they've always seen feminine fem. Their femininity as a sign of weakness, not digging deep, deep, deep into the core root of the true essence of the femininity. The femininity at its very, very core is the ultimate strength. I'm so strong and I'm so somebody that I have no problem. I'm so godlike. I'm so, I have no problem being totally self effaced and allowing you to be fully in me, and that doesn't cancel me. That's so awesome. You can't. To a man, if anything comes and you're clashing with me, you're destroying me, the woman, I'll take it in. I'll take, you too will become part of my existence and you're not canceling my existence. It's the ultimate power of feminine. This that women are getting up today and allowing men to abuse anymore is the ultimate sign of the, of the rise of the feminine. And also, in truth, the physical will also, when Mashiach will come, we say that they, they, when we say this Me Too movement, so I was thinking that, you know, it says when Mashiach will come that a stone will cry out from the wall, Even mekir tizak, a stone will cry out from the wall and will say, you know, it says in, in Hayom Yom, one of the Hasidic teachings, the stone will cry out and will say, you, you bore, why did you step upon me? So what does that mean? It means like this, that our, our work with the physical world, with the physical Gashmi world is only to be able to reveal that the true, the true essence of the physical which as we spoke earlier, is the ultimate detached thing from God, is to reveal the truth of God that God doesn't have to be, and therefore He, therefore he can hide behind the stone, which the stone is so, 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 so much a something, right? But, but here's the thing, until we don't polish the stone, then the, the, the beingness of the stone is the ultimate block on Hashem. But once as a result of our spiritual work, which is the masculine energy which we apply to the female world, which is the physical and the material and the world, and once we polish the physical, the physical is no more needs, doesn't need any more the spiritual to elevate it. It itself will show its true nature. And at that point, the physical will turn around and will say to each and every one of us, are if you're here to reveal the true beauty of who I am, what I'm really all about. I understand why you stepped upon me. But if not, me too. Why, why are you abusing me? Every element of physical will cry out and say that, and we will all recognize that we can't abuse physicality anymore. The physical world is sacred. The physical world is the ultimate expression for God. Why? Because the physical is the most, the, 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 the God allowed something to have being the most in the physical, and that is the deepest expression of God's essence where he is, and not threatened and not canceled by something else. By something else. And that's, but when Mashiach comes, the definition of the physical will be that it is, when you'll see something physical, you'll see, wow, what, what an unbelievable God, how powerful God is that he, that he can be through the beingness of His creations. And in His non beingness, awesome. But that, that's the ultimate expression of the physical. But as long as the physical was in the process of being refined, then the then the spiritual, that was the refiner, was able to misuse the physical things for their own benefit, not for the benefit of the of the physical, and which is really the abuse of a woman. The abuse of a woman means that a man is having a relationship with a woman for his benefit, not in order to reveal her who she really is. So may we merit that from this idea of the to sefiv Gever of the rise of the feminine energy in the world, may this be. Um, lead us in this, for sure it's not just may it be, it is part of the Mashiach revelation, may we see it the complete culmination of that take of a (laughs) meyad I am a a I'll serve you till I'm old. i